Today is our very first day that we're having two services. So if you're wondering, where's everybody at? Well, they're coming later. And you can come back later, too. But uh, we're, we're doing this for the whole purpose of, uh, of making more room. As you can see, there's plenty of room now for our friends to come. And uh, we want to make it an opportunity for people that have, you know, uh, we're in a tough economy. Uh, so they can, you know, they somehow have to work on Sundays. So they can come after work at 530 on Sunday. So I uh, want to encourage you with that. But for those of us that are here in the morning, you're going like, well, man, it's a lot smaller. Well, welcome to being a small church again. And whenever you're a small church, you got to look around and go, hey, we want to we want to grow. We want to help more people. And so there's a lot more room. If you're a guest here today, uh, I want to welcome you. It's great to have you uh, with us. Uh, we're all about uh, trying to get our lives uh, in, in, in order with what God wants for us. And, and we found, as you heard Sergio and Sochi share, uh, it, it makes all the difference. And, and God has really made a difference in our lives. I want to welcome some uh, some special people. I don't see Carlos. Don't this if we there he is. Uh, I want to welcome there's some special guests from Mexico City, uh, uh, a minister and his wife, Carlos and Viviana Garcia and their daughter. Please stand up. And and Bianca, right, Bianca and Carla, and she's uh, uh, down in the uh, preteens. So we're going to start out our, our lesson where, as you can see, we're doing a new series today called White Flag. OK, so we're going to start out with a confession. You know, the, 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 there's people that say that confession is good for the soul. Right. I, I believe that. I believe confession is good for the soul. So we're going to start out with a confession. And I want a, a show of hands uh, from from basically the time you could walk and maybe talk till driver's license age, more or less from that time period. How many of us here today can remember and maybe you didn't get very far, but how many of us here today ran away from home or attempted to run away from home when we were in that that age group? Now, be honest. Raise, raise your hand if you attempted. Now, look at that. And you may have only got to the driveway, right? Or to the front door. You can go ahead and put your hand down. You know, and I, and I remember this time in my life when... I had this, uh, it was a very small suitcase that my parents had around. It was, you know, plaid, cloth, had a zipper, you know. So I, I put all my stuff in there and I was ready to go, you know. And, I, and I, I walked out the door and, you know, I had my suitcase and my parents were like, what, really? You're leaving? And I go, yeah, I'm leaving. And I think I may have just made it to the sidewalk and, to, you know. But the interesting thing about running away is uh, it's not so much about or, or it's more about the away part, the away part than it is the, you know, the the where are you going to part. It's more about away than it is to because many times you're not even thinking about where are you going to, you know, you have, to, you have no idea, but I'm going away. That's the whole point, you know, and it's usually, you know, you got some rub going on with your parents you know, they, you know, and we parents, we mess up a lot. You know, we, we blow it. We mess up. Uh, and it's always the parents' fault. Uh, that's why kids run away. You know, and, and so, you know, in this point that we're looking at, you really don't think about where you're going to go to. But now I want to ask you another question. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Please don't. And, and no nudging. 
Okay? No nudging. No looking over. No, you know, none of that. This is just between you. How many of us here today have, and usually, you know, the running away as a child is, you know, when you're young to driver's license age. This comes after. How many of us have run away from, don't raise your hand. How many of us have run away from God? And this usually happens, driver's license and beyond, when you're older. And what do I mean by running away from God? You know exactly what I mean. You know, because all of us have an inherent faith. And we'll go to great lengths to, to, to change our value system, change what we believe, and, and work things out. And then we know in our conscience, when it's late at night, you're asleep, and there's no distractions and you're thinking I'm running from God and 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 you know that's that's uh that's one of the things and and people run away from God for the craziest things but they run away from God for relationships you know and we get this in our head well you know I believe anybody anybody could become a Christian anybody but you know I just haven't seen anybody that it's as beautiful as she is become a Christian so I'm going with her or, or maybe, you know, I believe anybody can become a Christian, but nobody has a car like he has, so I'm, I'm going with him. Or, or, you know, anybody in any position can become a Christian, but obviously I need to get this job. I need to get in this career situation. And we do it for all kinds of reasons. People, you know, a financial thing will run away from God because we think we need to fix this financial problem. If I can just do this... And we know better. We know better. But, you know, we're trying to work things out. And so we'll run away from God. And, and all kinds of things. But, but the truth is, you're a runner. You've put God in your rearview mirror. You've put God on the back burner. He's not as important. And, and you've rationalized it. You've worked it out so that you think, well, I, when I'll get around to it. See, I got to go. I, I got to go around because I've heard so many people. They, they go roundabout. So I'm, I'm going to do that. And without realizing it, we run away from God. And so this this whole series we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks is, is all about that is, you know, running away from God. And here's an idea that we have, if I surrender, I mean, if I raise the white flag, then I'm going to miss out on some really important stuff. And, and any of you guys here, teens, can you relate to that? If, if, I, if, I, if I give my life to God, well, I'm not going to be able to do all this, this great stuff that my friends are doing. Everybody's doing it. So we won't surrender. And guess what? God's saying, hey, I have this plan for you. I want, I want to do this with your life. And you're going, you know what? I have this plan over here. Yeah, but, but she's not the right girl for you. Well, you know what? She's the one I'm going to go with. Or he's not the right guy for you. You know, it's not going to work. You know how this is going to end up. God's got this person. You say, no, well, you know what, God? I'm going this direction. I'm going to be with this person. I'm going to do this job. And we know it. And the truth is, we're a runner. And we're running from God. And our series uh, that we're going to start today is all about the most famous runner in the Bible. Any idea? Yeah, I told you this week. 
Jonah. And immediately when you think Jonah, what do you think? The big fish, right? The whale. And you go, oh, yeah, you're thinking veggie tales, you know, cartoon character. And, you know, we had our, our service, our, our small service this morning uh, for the teachers. And we had cartoon, you know, all on the wall because it's the children's ministry. And, you know, you got visuals, visual. And this is what we think, you know. And so immediately, immediately we think Jonah, we think the fish and we go, mm, I don't know. Uh, that's a hard one. Excuse the pun to swallow. I don't know if I can I don't know if I can go along with, you know, the whole thing. It's more of a, a, a fairy tale. But the interesting thing that we're going to find out today is this story takes place in a specific time and location in the Bible. It's historical. You know, I could hear the thing when you say, well, jo- you know, Jonah, he was sent to Nineveh, which actually is a place in Assyria. It's a location. But what if we, you know, if I had to told the story, well, Jonah was sent to Narnia. Then obviously it's a fairy tale. But Nineveh, that changes everything. This is a place. This is a specific time. And it happened in 750 B.C., 750 years before Jesus. This happened. And not only that, Jesus mentions Jonah. The Bible mentions Jonah. And I don't know about you, if you believe in Jesus, guess what? Jesus said Jonah existed. Jonah did happen. And yes, the whole fish story, it's the deal. Okay, it happened. But I don't know why we get hung up on the on the fish deal. You know, I don't know if I can if I can buy that one. It's it's it seems like a myth. Well, here's something to think about. You know, God created man. I know I know some of you have a, a deep faith in God, right? Some of you maybe, you know, you you'll go that far. You'll you'll stretch. I'm not ready to embrace the Bible thing yet. I'm not totally in yet, but but I believe in God. I believe God created man. Maybe you'll go that far. I believe God created man. Guess what man created? Man created this thing up here on the screen. That's a submarine. So if God created man and man created a submarine, and these submarine, this particular submarine can be at sea for six months. You can be in the belly of this thing for six months and never come up for air. So do you think you could give God a break if he created man and man created this thing? And they have like 120 sailors that can be on this thing for six months. Now, I wouldn't want to do that job, but they survive and they do this. Right. So you think it's too much for God. To create a fish. With enough air for Jonah to survive three days. Let me blow your mind a little even more. This is going to be a lot for some of you. Do you realize that we live on an air bubble? A big one. But in the universe, this place that we call home is in the middle of space where there's no air. It's a perfect air bubble where seven billion people can live and breathe their whole life. So God created man. God created the earth. You think it's a stretch? 
So this is the last I'm going to mention about the fish thing in the series. Okay, but I, I think you can figure this one out, right? If God can do this, a perfect habitat with plenty of air that will go on and on and on. How about a fish for three days? No problem. Okay, but let's just say, you, you know, you're having a hard time still. I don't know. Okay, I, and what blows me away is people believe movies. You know, they'll go see a movie and they'll go, wow, that was real. That was so real. The movie was so real. Really? That was completely fabricated. It's completely made up, top to bottom. But you'll believe it. You'll go, okay, so I want you, I want you to make Jonah's story like your favorite movie. Okay? Because I'd hate, because you think you question the fish thing, and it's not... Don't get hung up on the fish. I hope that this, this, this myth, as you would call it, the myth, the story, can be a myth with meaning in your life. Because in this series that we're going to look at for the next few days, I believe this can be something that can really, really help you with what you're doing and where, where you're at in your life. And the story about Jonah... He was a prophet. And, you know, some of us maybe have followed that, that, that show on television called The Deadliest Catch. And it's the deadliest job, those fishermen. Very risky job, right? Being a prophet was like that. It's the deadliest catch. It's a deadly job. In fact, there's historical proof that many of the prophets were killed because of the messages that they brought to people. And... Prophets had a very difficult job because they had to go deliver a message that nobody wanted to hear. So for today's purposes, prophets were like your parents for the younger people in the crowd, because they're delivering a message that you don't want to hear. Right, parents? But this was intense. Jonah had a much more difficult job than most prophets because John, let's turn over in your Bible to the book of Jonah. Okay, and the easiest way to find Jonah is go to Matthew, turn left, seven books. Okay, if you try to start from Genesis, you'll never find it. Okay, so go to Matthew, turn left, seven books. There it is. It's a real short book, but we're going we're gonna to see about Jonah. He was a prophet. And here's the interesting thing. He was sent to a place called Assyria. Specifically, the city Nineveh, not Narnia, Nineveh. Okay, and this this place still exists. I'll show it to you on a map here shortly. But we're going to read in chapter chapter one. And he was given the task and, and let's go ahead and read it. I'll put it up on the screen. Verse one of chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, get one. But I'll give you a break today and. Here it is on the screen. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So typically God did this with a, a prophet. He would send a prophet to warn the people to give them a chance. Now, why would God do this with the Assyrians? They have a different belief system. They don't believe in God. They believe in gods, plural, pagan gods, stones, pieces of wood. All kinds of different things they believe. So Jonah had a very difficult job because he was sent to Assyria because typically prophets were sent to Israel and Judah. 
of people with the belief system. So if a prophet showed up, they go, oh, yeah, you're a prophet and you're a messenger of God. So there was automatic buy in. Right. But he was sent to the Assyrians and the Assyrians are like, who are you and where are you from? And you're preaching a God of who? And let me tell you another reason why this was a very deadly job. The Assyrians had a special gift. They won a gold medal every four years. You know, when the Olympics went around, they won a gold medal. And their specialized event was being able to skin their enemies alive and keep them alive for a long period of time. That was their specialty. And they'd win the gold medal every, every time. Now, they didn't have that in the Olympics, but I'm just... That's what these guys did. They were excellent at how to torture their enemies. And Jonah knew this. These are bad people you're sending me to, God. These guys are awful. They come in and they ravage our nation. They steal our stuff. They steal our children. And then they, they literally cut people open, take their skin off, and keep them alive. Now, how would you like to be a prophet going to that place? Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. No. Exactly what you think. And Jonah, Jonah wanted to skip the message part, you know. Forget sending the message. Forget the warning. Just judge them. Just rain down fire on them, God. Don't even, we don't need to just skip right to the, to the, to the judgment. But this is what God's, why do you think God wanted Jonah to go? Because God is a God of opportunities. We read in verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. This whole idea of going to the, the, the Assyrians and going to Nineveh, Jonah said, I would like not to do that job. In fact, I'm not going. You're saying go here, God. I'm going this direction. And he ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. Now let me show you. In verse 3, continue. And after paying the fare, he went on board and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Here's a map. Uh, this actually, I googled it. Google map. Okay, so here's Nineveh to your left. Okay, Google map. That's, that's the location. Nineveh, Nineveh from Jerusalem, where most of the Jews were in that area, was not that far. Now, Tarshish. Where's Tarshish? Tarshish is close to 600 miles. In fact, for, for him to go to Tarshish was like going to the ends of the earth. Because at this time in history, that's as far as they knew. They didn't know about anything beyond Europe. You know, so that was as far as you could go in their minds. I'm, I'm going way out. That's like going to the ends of the earth. He was running far from God. Very far. People didn't typically travel this far ever in their life. And so he was running far, as far as he could get away from God. So he goes by what? Boat. Now, do you think it's a good idea to go by sea if you're running from God? Now, here's an interesting thing, and it's one of the points. People who run from God run to the strangest places. Now, why would he run by sea? 
That'd be like for you and me, you know, if we're running from God and we, and we hang glide. You know, you jump off a cliff and you're hang gliding. Would that be smart? It's not safe. Going by boat at that time in history was not safe. It was not a safe means of travel. Or you're running from God and you're going to go in a small airplane to Australia over the Pacific Ocean. That's not safe. You wouldn't do that. Or going caving, you know, deep in a cavern running from God. Not smart. Here's the interesting thing about people when they run from God. They do things that are just, they're strange. They get involved in relationships that are strange. You look at it and you go, that's not safe. See, they leave God and then they start a relationship with someone who you know and who they know. This is not going to end well. This is short term. This is going to be messy. It's not safe. Or I'll give you another example. Because this is, I've seen this happen. People who are in the church, they get, get going, they do really bad in their marriage. They leave God. They get a divorce as they're running from God. And guess what they do right after they get a divorce? They start a new relationship with someone else. That's not safe. Why would you do that? The point is, is that people who run from God go to the strangest places. They do the strangest things. It's not smart. Or they have a child. I mean, after everything you've done, you're going to bring somebody else into this whole situation? It's going to affect other people. This is what Jonah did. Okay? This is what he did. And the reason people run to the strangest places is because we run from the source of wisdom and truth. See, when you run from God, you run from wisdom and truth. That's why you make terrible mistakes. That's why you do terrible things when you run from God. I mean, just catastrophic things happen when you run from God. Because you run away from truth and reason. And you not only run away from God who has truth and wisdom, you run away from people that are filled with truth and reason. So you, you run away from them. Hey, hey, wait, wait. Do you realize what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'll see you later. So you avoid them. People call you. Hey, where are you? What are you doing? You know, think about what's happening and you, you don't return the calls. Happens all the time. Because people, when they run away from God, they run away from wisdom and truth and they make terrible mistakes. And this is what's about to happen to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. It starts out verse 4 with this phrase, then the Lord. Okay, so he's running, then the Lord. Say that with me. Say it with me. Then the Lord. You know, you run from God, there's going to be some then the Lord moments in your life. Right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Because you're in the middle of it. You're living it. Then the Lord. One more time. Then the Lord. That means something's about to happen in your life. And this is what happens. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now this isn't any storm. This is a severe storm. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. 
And they threw their cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now, if you're a sailor, you're making your living off of what? The cargo that's on the ship. And if if you're throwing the cargo off the ship, what's that mean about this trip? This This is a serious disaster. It's not about the money anymore. It's about survival. These guys are just trying to survive. They realize if we don't lighten the ship, and they started crying out to their gods... Okay, where's Jonah? But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. He's taking a nap. Jonah's taking a nap. Of all the places to be when you've got a storm going on in your life, terrible things are going on in your life, and where are you? You're asleep. What are you doing? And so... The captain of the ship went to him and said, how can you sleep? What are you doing? How can you sleep at a time like this? I mean, this is not the time to be resting. We're all up, we're all up praying, you know, hey, Jonah, we're having a prayer meeting up on deck. Could you please come up and, and, and join us for the prayer meeting? And it doesn't even matter what God, what God you pray to. Just join us. Pray with us because we're about to die. This is serious. These are sailors talking. These aren't emotional women running around, you know, screaming. My children. No, no, no. These. Easy now. Easy. You know how it can be. Hysteria. This isn't, this isn't hysteria. This is soldiers or sailors who are familiar with storms. Lots of storms. This was no ordinary storm. I, I probably have to fix that with my wife afterwards. Right? But these guys, these guys are sailors. And they're going, there's something really, really wrong here. This isn't high temperature, low temperature, and everything in between. This is big. And so he tells them, Get up and call on your God. This is a 911. Everybody pray. Everybody cry out because we're about to die. This is about to end. And maybe He'll take notice of us and we will not perish. Here's an interesting thing about runners runners. Runners are often the last people to make the connection between they're running away from God. And what's happening around their lives. Everybody else. The sailors. The sailors are knowing something's going wrong here. Something's happening. Guess who's the last one to figure it out? Jonah. He's taking a nap. He's out there. Isn't it obvious, Jonah? Isn't it obvious that this has to do with you running from God? Isn't it obvious that your life is coming apart, that your marriage is coming apart, that your family's coming apart, that this situation is, is falling in on itself because you have run from God? And runners don't see it. They're the last ones to figure it out. And that's what happens. And you think, well, how do you know that? It's like you're talking to me. Let me tell you something. I'm not this great genius. This is very common. 
This happens to a lot of people. This is a pattern. You're not the only one. This is not new unique. In fact, this book in the Bible may exist for you. For me. I know what it is. I was a runner. This is the pattern. And the interesting thing is, people around you notice, but you don't. Friends, family, parents, they're looking at your life and they're going, man, can't you see what's going on in your life? Is This is what's creating it. This is what's causing it. And you're the last one to see it. Not only that, in, in some marriages, the children notice. The children know. Since we left church, look at what's happening to our family. Mom and dad are coming undone. Their marriage is imploding. The kids, these are children. And they can figure it out. This is a consequence because we're not... And I've heard this. Trust me, I get with a lot of runners. It's my profession. I, I, I meet with, I counsel runners. This is what happens. They're the last ones to figure it out. And when you run, the costly decisions you make deeply affect the people around you. You think it's just about you. Well, if I run, hey, it's just me, right? When Jonah ran, he was putting people he'd never met before in his life, their lives at risk. You running from God is putting innocent people's lives at risk. Do you realize that? It's not a little thing to run from God. And so for, for us today, we've got we've to ask ourselves, do I really want to affect the people around me, people I don't even know this way? And you know what else? Because of bad decisions and leaving, running away from God, it's going to be generational. That your children are going to have to deal with the fact that you're divorced and your, your marriage is going bad. So what are they going to take with them when they get older? How are they going to look at marriage? As this wonderful relationship that God blesses and, and God will, will take care of it and it's going to be awesome. It's a great relationship, a lifelong relationship. You know what? They're going to walk into that relationship scarred as a result of you running from God and you making costly decisions away from God. You know, I realize I'm talking about one particular facet of people, but this applies to everybody in here. What kind of decisions are you making right now that are clearly not God's will in your life? And you know, the interesting thing is, Jonah prayed. Jonah read his Bible. He was a prophet. And yet, in this particular area of his life, he was running. What are you running from? What are you avoiding in your life? Really? Let's be honest, because there's a cost. Got quiet in here now. Then we jump on to verse 8. 
So they asked him. He got up on deck and they started asking questions. The prayer meeting was over. So tell us who's responsible for this. And so right before this, right before this, they drew straws. They cast lots. This is something they used to do in the old days because they wanted to figure out that there was definitely a, a connection that people had in the old days that they would look at circumstance and they'd say, whose fault is it? And they realized this was no ordinary storm. This has got to be something. So they drew straws and they cast lots. And guess who the lot fell to? Jonah. And so they asked him this question. What's up? Tell us what's happening. Who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you know? Where are you from? What nation are you from? Who's your God? And they started asking him these questions. And so Jonah answers them. In verse 9, he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And I bet when he said that word sea, he probably started kicking himself saying, why, why did I choose the sea to run? Stupid, 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 you know? But what was the reaction? This terrified them. This terrified them. This made them feel helpless. Because it confirmed what they already sensed. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than us. And if you have any spiritual bone in your body, when you reach this point and you go, whoa, this is serious. There are spiritual forces at stake here. And they ask, what have you done? And they drew the conclusion. They knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. But they figured it out. They drew the conclusion. Ever notice that somebody, you're looking at somebody and you go, he's running from God. She's running from God. They're trying to run. They were raised in church and they're running now. They're on the run. Got their hat turned around backwards and no, 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 uh, no insult, Mark. But if the hat fits. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But. You can tell when somebody's, you know, a, a, a young lady who she was raised in church and she dressed and she was modest and well behaved. And now everything's different. Her hair's different. Her dress is different. Everything's changed. She's not the same person anymore. She's running from God. Yeah. You can figure it out. Verse 15. So we jump. And so they go through this whole thing, Right. And they asked Jonah, so Jonah, how can we solve this problem? He said, you've got to throw me overboard. And I says, there's no way we're going to do that. God will kill us. Yeah, you've got to throw me. If you want the sea to calm down, you've got to throw me off the boat. And they resisted. They said, no, we're not going to do it. And the sea grew more violent. So they, as they were throwing him off, it says here, they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. What it says in the previous verses, it said when they threw him over the board, they're screaming out to God, please have mercy on us for killing this innocent man. And they threw him overboard. And guess what happened? The raging sea grew calm. 
I actually thought about this. I imagined, I said, you know, what would that be like? They throw him overboard. And sometimes you think, well, he just sunk to the bottom. No, no. He, you know, nobody sinks to the bottom. They, they, they float, right? And so the sea gets calm and he's floating. And he's about 30 or 40 feet off of the ship. And the sea's calm. Everything's fine. They go, should we, should we pick him up? Should we get him? And they're like, no way, no way. He's, he's on his own. God, forgive us. See you, Jonah. But here's an inc- a very encouraging verse. Now the Lord. Okay? Is God done with Jonah yet? Now the Lord. You got then the Lord. Now you got now the Lord. Let me tell you something. When you're a runner, you're going to have a lot of then the Lord moments and, and now the Lord moments. Because he's trying, he's trying to move your life. He's trying to help you. And so what happens? Now the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now Jonah's not aware of everything. He just got off a sinking ship. Now he's in the ocean. He gets eaten by a fish. What do you think he's feeling right now? And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And then we we look at this and we see chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. I bet he did. I bet he did. Like no other time. Ever been inside the belly of a fish? A whale or not sure? That's not a good place to be. There's other little fish next to you. Their fate is your fate. See, Jonah didn't understand that what God was doing. He thought this is the end. I rebelled and God's going to pay me back. I ran and it's payback time. But God sent the fish. God sent the storm. God sent the troubles and the trials not to pay him back, but to bring him back. That's what you need to hear loud and clear today. God's not sending trouble in your life to pay you back. He's trying to win you back. He's trying to bring you back, to woo you back. See, you're a runner. And God's chasing after you. And He's sending all these, and then the Lord, now the Lord. For Jonah, it was a fish. What's God sending your way to bring you back? What financial situation is He using? What relationship, what relationship situation is He using to bring you back? Is it really going to need more? Because God sent the fish because He loves Jonah. Let's look at another verse. Another point, you know, about, about you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. You can run from God, you can avoid God, but you can't outrun Him. You can only put Him off so long. He's going to send you a prophet. He's going to send you a circumstance. He's going to send you a situation. And that needs to encourage all of us. Because God's not done with us. 
And if you're here with visiting with us today, there's a reason you're here visiting with us today. Because right. he sent someone to get you here. To bring you here. To help you. Now it's your turn. As Jonah did, he prayed. And, and this, was a, this wasn't a, you know, save me. This was a white flag prayer. And we're going to look at that next week. That's the next part of our study is this was a white flag prayer. Because he prayed before, but they weren't white flag prayers. They were, help me in this specific area. Do this for me, God. Help me in this area. But it wasn't I surrender. I turned myself in. It just saved me from this particular. Don't look at any of this. Just this. Save me in this. Another verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. It's a great verse. It talks about how much God cares about us. My son, do not despise the Lord, the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he, what? Say it again. Did God love Jonah? You better believe it. God loves the runners. And that's why he sends things their way. You know what would scare me if I was a runner? If everything went great from there forward. That's scary. You know why? Because there's a huge question mark there. Is God done with me? He's just going to let me float out to sea? That's scary. But if you've got some then the Lord, now the Lord, things going on in your life, that needs to encourage you. Because God disciplines those children who He loves. There's a great comfort in discipline. When parents discipline their children, there's a great comfort in that. Because that's what that's communicating is, I care about you. Some of us hate our parents because they discipline us. Guess what they're communicating to you? As they ground you from your telephone. As they ground you from all the things that you love to do. I love you. It doesn't feel like love to me. But that's what it is. See, because if your parents just let you do whatever you wanted, when you wanted, they don't love you. They don't care. Yeah. You want to go play with fire? Have at it. Here's some matches. And try gasoline. That'll make a big fire. Really exciting. No parent would do that. Because the Lord disciplines those who He loves. And as a father, now listen to this. this. As a father, the son He delights in. You know, when Jesus introduced His ministry and His new covenant with men, guess how He taught us to pray? Father in heaven. Do you realize that you have a heavenly Father? Now, God's not our physical Father. He's not literally a Father, but He's a heavenly Father. That means He cares about us as children, His children. And he wants to bless us as His children. He wants that parent-child relationship. Father-son, father-daughter relationship. And I don't know about you, some of us were... You know, fine with church, but the relationship with God thing, we're not there yet. But we're not practicing it. We're a one a week, once a week follower. In fact, most of the praying that we're going to do in the week is going to be right here in church. Mm. 
That's not what God's interested in. He wants it daily. He wants some dialogue during the week. Daily. That's what He's interested in. Will you cooperate? Because He loves you? And let's wrap this up. The Lord chased Jonah down, not to pay him back, but to bring him back. The Lord's chasing you down to bring you back. And I'm going to leave you with these, these bullet points. I want to encourage you this week, and next week we're going to look at the second half. It's a really awesome, you know, this book of Jonah is here for all of us, because guess what? We're all runners in one area or another. But identify the area in your life where you're running. God's called you to do this, and you know it. It's clear to you. Nobody's, you know, affirming it. No one sent you a letter. You just know it. You know it. And you're running. I want to encourage you to identify that area. And I also want to encourage you, if you're running, to find a prophet. You know what a prophet is? Someone who cares. Someone who cares enough about you that they're going to tell you the truth. And they're going to ask you the hard questions. So why are you doing this? Why are you taking this route in your life? Why are you hanging with this group of people? And you're allowing them to dictate what you do. Why are you taking this job? Why are you taking this position when it's going to completely pull you away from your family? Why are you doing that? That's a prophet. And then if you're here as a guest today, I want to encourage you to do the core four Bible studies. These are four Bible studies that we do with people to introduce them to how to have a relationship with God. And what it means to turn your life over. What it means specifically, step by step, to raise the white flag and give your life to God. And then for some of you, I want to encourage you to come home for good. Stop messing around. Stop with the one foot in and one foot out thing. Let's do this. Let's come home and let's stay home. Stop dabbling. And stop running. And then the last thing is, come on back next week. Because this story gets better and better. And you're going to find that. Because I believe, maybe I haven't fully embraced the fish thing, but I believe this story can help you a lot with what's going on in your life. How can I affirm and guarantee that God is trying to bring you back, not pay you back? And what we're going to do now is celebrate the communion. I know for a fact God wants you back because he sent his son Jesus to die for you. That's, someone, that's not someone who wants payback. That's someone who wants bring back. He's gone to great lengths to chase you down. And only you know. And it's time today to recognize how much God loves you. As we take the communion, I want to encourage you to remember as you take the bread and you take the, 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 the grape juice, the fruit of the vine, is remember what price God paid. Jesus' body and blood were poured out for you. Let's pray for the communion. Father, we thank you today for the privilege that you've given us to know and understand your word. God, I thank you for Jonah. Thank you for preserving the story of Jonah, the history of Jonah for 2,750 years. 
so that we could read and understand about running. God, we ask you today to bless us and help us to find our way home. God, right now we want to remember Jesus. We want to ask you to forgive us for the things that we've done that have separated us from you. Please give us a new start. We love you, God. Thank you. We lift up Jesus now. We remember what he did for us and telling us, I love you this much. It's in his name we pray. Amen.